Hello, I'm Laura Castleton, U.S. Head of Portfolio Construction and Strategy at Janus Henderson Investors. Is a brighter future possible? At Janus Henderson, we think it is. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. We know that this means our thinking and our investments are helping to shape millions of brighter futures for the next 90 years and beyond. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. I'm Scott Wapner, and you're listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast, the most profitable hour of the trading day. We record this live weekdays at 12 Eastern. Listen in. All right, Carl, thanks so much. Welcome to the Halftime Report. I'm Scott Wapner, front and center this hour. New records for your money. The S&P hits new milestones. Apple top $3 trillion in market cap. We'll debate both. Plus, it's day two of our stock summit. Top picks from our investment committee. You get those in just a sec. Join me for the hour today. Stephanie Link, Brent Talkington, Jim Labenthal, and Josh Brown. Also with us today is Anastasia Amoroso, Chief Investment Strategist at iCapital. Let's see the playing field today. Check the markets, if you will. The S&P going for its first close above 4,800. Got off to a good start. It is now below that level. You see the Dow is obviously the big winner at this moment, up nearly 240. NASDAQ is where the big selling is taking place at this very moment, and a lot of it has to do with all the way on the right-hand side of your screen. 168 is where the 10-year note yield is now pushing XLF, XLE. They have a great start to this year, and they're continuing their rise today. Some of those cyclical stocks are certainly having a good run of it. Guys, it's good to see everybody. We're going to get to the broader market in just a moment. But first off, I've just learned of these new moves from Josh Brown that I want to highlight today. Josh, you tell us why you sold Store Capital, for starters, S-T-O-R, a name that you talked about on numerous occasions on this program. Why is it no longer part of your portfolio? Uh, Store had underperformed the REIT sector last year, uh, which in and of itself is not that big of a deal. But there seems to be some management stuff going on there. The CFO stepped down in the middle of the year. And then in the last week of the year, uh, the chairman and, and uh, former CEO who we had had on this show over the years uh, and is, is someone who I always listen to his commentary and read all his stuff. He seems to have abruptly left his position. So I don't know anything that they haven't already said, but that was the guy for me. He was the founder. He was the architect of the business. So I think it'll be OK. Um, but I need to make room to do some other things. So I took a profit. I went running out of that stock in the last week of the year. Uh, like Antonio Brown leaving the Meadowlands, ripped my shirt off, 80% or so gains from uh, my average cost. I'm, I'm fine with it. I may revisit at some point in the future. But the profits that you did take, and, and you mentioned, so you had some other capital to deploy. You bought the Carlisle Group, so you're making a private equity play here. CG, tell us why. Yeah, so this is, I think this is one of the crown jewels in the private equity industry. It's not the largest, but here's something interesting. These stocks all had a huge year last year uh, for obvious reasons. They're very involved in all aspects of, of, of the economy, and the economy came roaring back. Um, Carlisle is the only one of the, lar- of the larger publicly traded private equity names that does not have a dual share class. Not one of these companies, KKR, Blackstone, Apollo, Ares, Carlisle, not one is yet in the S&P 500. And I think that will change because these stocks like Tesla have just become too big to ignore. Now, 
The reason they weren't was the, the, share, the share structure. They weren't structured as corporations. That changed. The other thing the committee looks for uh, is a year's worth of profits. A lot of these companies early in the pandemic had to take these on-paper write-downs because of where they had to mark assets. They weren't real losses, just on paper. We're now lapping that period of time, and I think all of these companies are eligible. Blackstone is gigantic but still has that dual share class that the committee has historically not loved. Uh, same thing with KKR. And that leaves Carlisle. It's a $20 billion market cap. Uh, it's a company that's seen massive growth in any metric you want to look at, from assets under management to cash flows, revenue, uh, et cetera. And I feel that this has a lot of opportunity because while the, the three founders own about a third of the shares outstanding, a new CEO uh, who's been with the company for a while but who is now running the show uh, really has a lot of ground to make up to scale this business and catch it up with some of the giants. I think they can do it. You're getting paid almost 2% yield while you wait for that to happen. Uh, and I think when you think about alternatives and where investor dollars are flowing, it should be yet another good year for the whole sector. All right. It's uh, really uh, interesting charts to look at. Uh, certainly one up, as Josh talks about it, and one down. Let's talk more about this broader market that we're watching today, guys. You see the real divergence between the Dow and the NASDAQ. Dow's up 240. NASDAQ's getting creamed. Uh, at this very moment, even Jim Labenthal, as we mentioned, Apple today and that three trillion dollar market cap. Now, it's dipped a little bit below that as the Nasdaq has come under some selling pressure. But you use the opportunity to do today what you said you were going to do for the last few weeks. And that was trim Apple a little bit. At least your trading position, though, is done. You are fully out of your trading position yep. in in Apple. Just take us through this. Uh, again, the thought process, and, and certainly, you know, the timing couldn't have been better if you were looking to close something out. Yeah, and, you know, listen, we, you and I have had this discussion, and I know Jimmy Kramer's opinion on it, but I do think you can hold a core position in Apple and trade around on the margins, which is what I did last year, uh, February and March. Stock came down from the January high of about 146 after a great earnings report, came down to 120 to 125. I picked up a bunch of shares there. Here we are 10 months later. Uh, they're up about 50%. And the reason I want to take that trading position off and just go to my core position is that I look at Apple now at a 31 times this year's multiple. And I say to myself, with the rising 10-year, I don't think you're going to get multiple expansion. I think the return on the stock is therefore just going to be what the growth rate in earnings per share is. That's 7% uh, by current estimates. Get another 1% in dividend yield. I'm looking at an 8% return in 2022. I've got better things to do with my money, so I'm going to take that trading uh, position off. I'm going to keep it in cash for now because I do think that the Fed's change of stance is going to increase volatility and give me opportunities elsewhere. But I retain a below market weight position in Apple at about four and a half, four and three quarters percent. Uh, so obviously it's still a big position, but it's well below the market weight at 7%. That's my, that's my way of saying yeah, okay. I think it's going to be fine, but it's going to return less than the market. All right, um, Steph, so why don't you take what, what Jim has done here? You are underweight mega cap tech, not to say that you don't like areas of tech, because I know that you do, um, but this is something to keep your eye on. You know, Apple hits that three trillion dollar mark. You've got bond yields on the rise today. What does it say about where we want to be in the market, whether it's, you know, time to buy the dips or sell the rips like Jim has taken the opportunity to do in Apple? 
Well, I, I, I actually bought some more Apple the day after Thanksgiving when it fell and the market fell as a whole. Um, I, and it's up to 16 percent since then. Um, it's trading at 31 times. Yes, I agree with Jim. So it's not cheap. But this company has earnings, has double digit growth. Right. And they're buying back a ton of stock. Now, I know they've already plowed through almost all of their 90 billion buyback for this year. But they're going to do another one, I think, for the next two, three, four years. They can buy two to three percent of their share is outstanding. I like to own a company like that, especially with the moat that they have in terms of products. We know they're very strong and getting stronger. We know services is a nice tailwind and a margin driver. And then finally, we don't know about EV and AR and all that kind of thing, but I'm pretty happy that they're actually getting into those businesses because total addressable market for EV is going to be a trillion dollars by the end of the decade. Maybe AR not as big, only a hundred billion by 2026. But these are real uh, targeted and strong end markets that you want to be a part of. And again, they have earnings, right? So, so maybe the stock will stall a bit here, but I feel very confident in the long term. I almost, almost want to own it, put it away, and find other, find, uh, other te- technology companies with strong financials and good end markets. Maybe they're cheaper. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're in semiconductors. That's where I have a huge overweight. I have enterprise spend recovery companies that are more on the value side. I have a huge overweight there. So maybe complement it with owning something like an Apple. I noticed, too, that you're doing a little bit of, of what I asked you about just a moment ago in terms of dips and rips. Um, you sold Fortinet. That's one of your newest moves. Yeah. The shares were up better than 100% in the last year, and you took your profits. Yeah, I mean, I like cybersecurity very much. It's a very strong total addressable market story. But at 82 times forward and almost 17 times price to sales, I think the easy money has been made, uh, made rather, and I think they're doing a great job in terms of product innovation um, and and on the cost side, they've done a really good job too. And execution, it's a company that hadn't executed for a long time. That's why I bought it when it was really down below $100. Um, But I have to say that I think the easy money has been made. I think there's other places to put your money in tech. All of the things that I just mentioned, you can go to Lamb, you can go to Broadcom, which by the way, beat a great quarter. They are increasing their dividend. They increased their buyback. Love that story at 20 times. NXPI is an auto recovery story. They're doing a great job executing. And then we're going to talk about enterprise spend recovery stories. But HPE was upgraded today. I own that eight times earnings with a three yield. I I think that's pretty attractive. Uh, And Cisco I've been adding to as well. So I think there's a lot of places. Maybe it's more on the value side, Scott. But you know, that's kind of what I look for. Number one, number two in their field and on sale at a good valuation. You bought Corteva and you bought Target, both uh, worth um, noting here. Yeah, look, Air Products, I sold. It's trading at 29 times. I've made solid money in that name. Cortiva, I just think that there's more upside, 22 times earnings. Ag Cycle is really where I want to be for 2022. New management. Dave Anderson, by the way, is the CFO of that company. Remember Honeywell in the, in the Dave Cody years? He was the CFO with, with Dave Cody as the CEO. He's a remarkable CFO. They have a new CEO. They haven't executed up until this point. And I think this new management team will get them on the right track. Target, I just think quality on sale down 15% from its recent highs on concerns about gross margins. I get it. They miss gross margins by 200 basis points. 
But I think that was all supply chain. And that's okay because that's eventually going to ease. Um, And I like that it's a quality retailer taking market share in the omnichannel world. I like their mix between discretionary and consumables, more discretionary, about 57 percent of total revenues. And they just have consistently executed, Scott. So quality company. I'm sorry that I ever sold it. So I wanted to get back on the pullback, back in on the pullback. Yeah. Watching these. I hear you watching these charts as you guys are, are talking about all of these names uh, is certainly fascinating. You have a couple other moves. We'll hopefully get to those uh, in just a little bit. Bryn Talkington, your view of the market here. Uh, it is allegedly the last day of the so-called Santa Claus rally, at least by the calendar's standpoint. Not that that really means all that much, but it's been a darn good start. What do you make of what's leading and what's lagging? I mentioned the financials, uh, energy stocks are off to a great start. Maybe they're getting a little bit overbought. Yeah, well, I mean, you see small cap value, energy, financials. And I think over the next few months, the market, and we're going to be talking about higher inflation. We're going to be talking about higher growth. We're going to be talking about Fed hikes. And then, you know, ultimately, we're going to be talking about a steepening yield curve right now, which is what's happening. And I think where you see the high growth names are really just getting just taken out to the shed right now, um, as I think the yields have gone higher. That being said, I think by the middle to the late part of the year, we're going to be talking about lower growth, lower inflation, and potentially a flattening yield curve. And so I think you really have this pull right now where underneath the hood, where the S&P is at a, as a whole is, is at an all-time high, but underneath, especially when you get into the smaller names in the NASDAQ, there was definitely not a Santa Claus rally this year. I think those stocks got a lump of coal in their stockings, and I think that's going to be the case for the next few months. But I do think volatility is going to be here. And so, you know, in our portfolios, we have a lot of covered calls. We want to have energy. We want to have optionality because you see underneath this market, there's a tremendous amount of turbulence that I think is unsettling a lot of investors who aren't just in the S&P 500 or just the broad big indices. Yeah, look at that NASDAQ down one and two thirds percent. Those stocks not only got a lump of coal, they got clubbed and punched in the gut. Anastasia, you know, it's a snowflake, it's Okta. A lot of those high multiple names just continue to take it on the chin. As we note, the, the uh, you know, Apple hitting three trillion and then a lot of those names just getting destroyed. Uh, what is your market view for 2022? Yeah, the market view for 2022 is certainly constructive, but it's definitely a little bit slower and a little bit less robust than we've seen last year. And uh, I I do think, though, that some of the trades that we're seeing work right now are not going to be the same ones that work next month, next quarter or the rest of the year. And so to go back to this uh, reopening trade versus the tech trade, it makes sense to me why the reopening stocks are doing well right now. The value stocks are doing well because everybody got scared and spooked by Omicron. But we're shaking that off right now and we're revising up some of those growth expectations. So that's what's kind of driving the market here. But if you think about beyond January, you know, maybe maybe yields rise, you know, for the rest of the January as we mark up that growth. But beyond that, we're likely to sell it, settle into the post pandemic world, which is going to be slower GDP growth. And the Fed is going to hike three times. But we already know that. So I just don't know how much more legs we have to some of the trades that worked last year. For example, financials did fine last year, but financials need steeper yield curve. Maybe it steepens out a little bit, but as Bryn said, the yield curve actually tends to flatten as the Fed starts to hike rates. So I'm not a huge fan of that trade anymore. Then you've got semiconductors. Of course, I love semiconductors, but 
The revenue growth for semis last year was 22%. It's likely to slow down to 12% this year. So maybe it's just going to be a little bit less great. So that brings me to what is likely, what could potentially still work, and what is actually on sale. And Scott, today, that is actually technology. So I'm looking to parts of tech that I may want to buy here on a pullback. I love that hotels and airlines and the reopening stocks are rallying, but they've pressed in a lot. So I wouldn't mind taking a little bit of those gains and pivoting to parts of tech. So, for example, I actually like cybersecurity, uh, but to Steph's point, some things mm -hmm. are very expensive. So you want to look for things that are not priced at 16 times forward sales. Yeah. I'm going to take a look at those stocks, uh, some of those cyber stocks that are off the highs. CrowdStrike's one of those names. All right, uh, good to hear that from you. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, it is the 2022 Stock Summit Day 2. The Investment Committee revealing their top picks for the year. We're going to debate them as well. There it is. We're back right after this. Old Dominion Freight Line was built on keeping promises. With an industry-leading on-time delivery record and low claims rate, we keep promises better than any other LTL freight carrier because we treat every shipment like it's our most important one. Visit ODFL.com to learn more. B2B selling is tougher than ever, and we feel your pain. If you're struggling to close deals, consider giving LinkedIn Sales Navigator a shot. This sales intelligence platform helps professionals like you engage high-value customers, drive higher revenue, and increase sales performance. Sales Navigator also guides you in targeting the right buyers, highlights key signals such as job changes or which accounts you should prioritize, and uncovers hidden hot prospects so you can find those buyers that are most likely to convert. Fueled by LinkedIn's 1 billion member platform, Sales Navigator gives you the most up-to-date first-party data, enabling you to unlock conversations with the people that matter. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash report. That is linkedin.com slash report for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash report and get started. Hey, here's a note for you. Jim Cramer's Charitable Trust is making moves in the market. The CNBC Investing Club saying the trust is buying more shares of Danaher and trimming its position in MasterCard today. Danaher shares are down more than 5% to start the year. MasterCard is up about 4%. I should remind you as well, we're super excited that Jim's going to join us tomorrow for our Stock Summit Day 3. Uh, so you get some picks. He's going to talk about the other picks from the committee as well. So we can't wait to see Jim tomorrow as we take a look at shares of MasterCard there. I mentioned day two of our Stock Summit, highlighting our top picks from our committee today. It is Josh Brown's turn today. And he has, as a new buy, get your pens and paper ready, a new buy, A.O. Smith Corp., A.O.S. Tell us about this one, Josh, why it is part of your Stock Summit. Yeah, everyone calm down. It's, it's not that exciting of a stock. It's, it's uh, water heaters and boilers. Um, but if you go down to your basement right now and you look at the label on the boiler in your, in your, or your water heater, uh, there's a one in two shot that it was made by A.O. Smith or one of its subsidiaries. So this is a 150-year-old company, dates back to just after the Civil War, been a publicly traded company for longer than I'm alive um, but it's essentially a company that owns its space. And the reason why this space is interesting to me is because 
We are underhoused in this country. So this stock has been on fire since really the pandemic started. I think it'll continue. Demographically, we're going to build more and more homes. Every one of them needs a water heater. In the meanwhile, the company says about 85% of their sales each year is replacement because obviously this equipment doesn't last forever. They're also in commercial, and now they're in India and China doing not only their traditional business, but also um, purifying water, which is a massive opportunity. Mm -hmm. So the stock acts great. They're buying back a ton of shares. Uh, The dividend goes up every year. This is a classic compounder. Market cap is only $13 billion. I still think there's a lot of room for this stock to work. I'm almost surprised Berkshire Hathaway isn't involved or the, the full owner of this already. Um, but I think they're going to have mm. another great year, just like last year was a great year. I want to be involved, and uh, so I started to buy it. Okay. Uh, speaking of Berkshire, Berkshire B is uh, another one of your three picks, along with Roblox, yeah. which is you know a new yeah. buy as well, which we highlighted on this program on, on New Year's Eve. The interesting thing of your sector pick um, is biotech. Tell us why biotech, of all the yeah. sectors that are out there, caught your eye the most for this year? It's Well, it was, I think, the worst of all the growth stock sectors in existence last year. These stocks really never, they never got off the mat. They really never got in the game. There are some reasons behind that. I think a lot of attention was focused on vaccines, and rightly so. Uh, and there were some high-profile biotech drug uh, busts where trials didn't go as expected. So I think that combination of factors just kept these names out of the limelight. But if you think about an environment of uh, decent economic growth, but, but decelerating and people looking for opportunities where there is secular growth that's not reliant on the overall economy, that's where those stocks are. They're in healthcare and they're specifically in biotech. So I like the IBB. Mm-hmm. I think it's the best way to play it. It's uh, 50% of the market cap is in the top 10 names. Um, so I think you'd make money in either direction. But, uh, you know, whether small caps or large caps outperform. But I think the big names in biotech are poised to have a decent year comparatively to the rest of the market. And this is how you get exposure to that. Okay. Love it. Uh, Anastasia, biotech, at least the XBI. You know, maybe it, you know, you, the IBB is fine for you too. I'm, I'm not sure. But as a sector... It's one of your top three ideas for the year. It is, and I agree with Josh. And by the way, the difference between XBI and IBB, IBB is going to have more of the COVID exposure type stocks, and maybe that's fine, but I think maybe even splitting the difference and owning both of them makes sense. But I agree with Josh. I see a lot more positive catalysts for biotech than we have seen last year. So, but by the way, if you look at the valuations of biotech, they're half the S&P 500 right now. And the reason for that is there's this perpetual overhang of regulatory reform, drug pricing that's going to be destructive for biotech. But if we actually get the, the Build Back Better plan passed, what's in there is a pretty constructive drug pricing provision that's not going to be egregious. And so potentially you could have the overhang of drug pricing concerns once uh, finally kind of go away and not away on those valuations. So that's one big catalyst that I'm looking for. The second one is mm-hmm. just pipeline of drug approvals. That should accelerate once again. We approved the same number of drugs last year as we did the prior two years. 
But guess what? There's 48 different drugs that are waiting. They're in the pipeline. There are clinical trials that weren't able to be conducted. There are inspections that had to be on hold because of COVID. But as we recover from this post-COVID world, I think some of that activity resumes. So I think there's a lot to like clinical trials that are all-time highs. Um, and if some of those are successful, you could see the revenues of the biotech, the NASDAQ biotech index, almost double in the next several years. So uh, I am a buyer of this. And by the way, JP Morgan uh, Healthcare Conference is next week. I think that could be a good catalyst for to start looking at biotech stocks here. Hey, hey Bryn, you're, you're up next. But before you lay out your picks for us in the Stock Summit, obviously I thought of you when Josh told us about this Roblox buy on New Year's Eve, uh, because you're the other one who has owned it as part of the committee. Yeah, I've owned it since it, uh, I think it direct listed um, earlier in 2021. What we're doing, and I do think volatility will continue this year. And so I, I love the Roblox story. What we're doing, though, is today you could buy the or you could sell, sorry, sell the April 115 calls and you would collect around $7.50, which is about a 7.8% yield. And you still have close to like 25% upside. So over the next four months, you could sell that call, collect, once again, 7.8% 7, yield, still have plenty of upside, but take advantage of that volatility because I think Roblox is a company that has a lot of volatility, will continue. And so take advantage of that and earn, earn that income along the way. Let's talk about your picks for the 2022 Stock Summit, the Global X Lithium and Battery Tech ETF, that's the LIT, Viper Energy, and Coinbase, of course, using your strategy that you've told us all and hopefully taught us a little bit uh, about risk management in, in the market, is Coinbase with covered calls. Sure. And so I'll, I'll, start, I'll start with Viper Energy. Viper was actually one of my stock picks last year, and Viper is a oil royalty company they own royalty rights in the oil space. The stock was up about 90% last year. Right now, they are throughout last year, they had about a six and a quarter percent distribution yield. And what's interesting is they had some really big hedges on that they had put in in 2020, where they had capped their oil exposure to around 45. Those oil hedges are rolling off in the first and the second quarter. And so I think throughout the year, as oil prices stabilize to go to the upside, you can see a lot more increased cash flow and they distribute 70 percent of their cash flow to investors. And so I think not only could you get some really nice capital appreciation, but I could see them having a distribution this yield upward upwards of nine percent. So I think there's lots of optionality. And with energy prices, I think flat to going higher. It's a great company to capitalize on that. Energy or is your sector, uh, as I mentioned already, it's doing great to, to kick off the year. You want to just give me something quick on uh, the LIT, the lithium and battery tech ETF, and be, just be brief if you if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Sure. It's a you know diversified ETF that owns the battery components and lithium suppliers and refiners, you know, buy the components, not the cars. Um, Tesla's definitely in there because obviously they make components along with Panasonic. But this is just going to encompass the full component inside of that EV. So it's I've talked about it before. Lithium has a, a big supply deficit right now. And so I think there's a good tailwind throughout the rest of 2022. All right. Good stuff. Stephanie Link, what do you think of these picks? Well, I like Coinbase a lot, uh, especially now that it's trading at 19 times forward. It's a quality way to play crypto. It's the largest, most secure exchange, right? And 
The total addressable market is enormous. It's uh, 1.6 billion today, going to 5 billion by 2030, maybe even more. Who knows? But the trends are your friends. And I think companies that are embracing crypto, you have to pay attention. It's not just PayPal, but it's Visa, it's Starbucks, it's Coke, it's Expedia. These are real companies and they are all embracing crypto. So for me, this was a way to play it. I know it's volatile, but not nearly as volatile as, you know, playing a, a pure play, Bitcoin or that kind of thing. Energy I love. I'm overweight energy. I'm double my benchmark. It's still fairly small, though, relative in my... The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. What does it mean to be rich? Is it having more stories to share or time to give? Is it being able to keep your loved ones close or travel somewhere far away? At Edward Jones, we believe the key to being rich is knowing what counts. Your dedicated financial advisor will take a comprehensive approach to your financial strategy to help support what truly matters to you. EdwardJones.com slash findyourrich. Edward Jones, member SIPC. S&P uh, in, in the benchmark. Um, but as CapEx has come down, companies are doing very good things in terms of shareholder returns, buybacks and dividend increases and that sort of thing. I can't believe Chevron is actually right now trading at, with a uh, yield of 4.4. I was buying it with a seven handle on the yield two years ago. So um, it's had a nice move, but I think there's still more to go. All right. Um, interesting. Yep. Coinbase, a position for Stephanie Link uh, as well. Farmer Jim, energy, you also like that. I do like energy. I was tempted now. I'm going to do my picks in a moment, but I was tempted to make that my favorite sector. I decided not to be boring and go with everybody else. You'll find out my number one sector in a minute, but energy is my number two. There's clearly a supply-demand imbalance here. OPEC's rising production doesn't cure it. And as the economy globally reopens from Omicron, you're going to see that uh, supply-demand imbalance continue. Energy prices will be high. These companies will be minting money. Okay, Anastasia, we're going to say goodbye, but before we do, you've been our big picture expert today. Give us your view of what you heard so far in our summit. I think these are all amazing trades for this year, and I like the combination that I think the committee has here between some of the value trades like energy, along with some of the growth plays like the likes of Roblox, uh, for example. I think that's the right way to position for 2022, because you will probably have the first part of the year where the reopening trade is still going to have legs, and I totally agree with Jim. Energy is going to mint money in that environment. But at the same time, eventually that reopening momentum is going to start to taper off. And if that's the case, investors are going to start to be looking for true and tried, which is secular growth. And what we've heard from a lot of the committee today, which is biotech, which is the metaverse type place, that secular growth, which is now selling off, I think it's going to be a great thing to pick up for the rest of 2022. 
All right. Good stuff. We look forward to you spending this year with us uh, once again. Happy New Year to you. That's Anastasia Amoroso joining us today. Happy New Year. All right. As we said, the Stock Summit continues, and to you as well. Stephanie and Jim give their top ideas for 2022 when we come back. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome back. I'm Rahel Solomon, and here is our CNBC News update at this hour. In New York, prosecutors have dropped a groping charge against former Governor Andrew Cuomo. They say the person making the allegation is credible, but there is not enough evidence to win a conviction. The decision comes three days before Cuomo was due to answer the charge in court. Cuomo, meantime, has denied the allegations. The CDC says that the Omicron variant now makes up more than 95 percent of all U.S. COVID cases. This just a month after the first Omicron infection was detected in the U.S. Its rapid spread has pushed America to to new records in daily infections with over a million confirmed yesterday. A judge has dismissed a lawsuit against the band Nirvana over the photo on its album. Never mind. It featured an infant swimming naked in a pool. That baby, now 30-year-old Spencer Eldon, sued the ban alleging child pornography. Eldon now has nine days to refile a new complaint, if he so pleases. And the Washington football team is finally getting a new name. Team officials say, though, that they will announce it on February 2nd. The team gave up the Redskins name in 2020. You're now up to date. More Halftime Report after this. Miss the show? Don't sweat it. The Halftime Report now has a podcast, market-moving interviews, call of the day, unusual activity, and, of course, Ask Halftime. Look for us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Follow the Halftime Podcast. All right, take a look at the market. Dow up 250. NASDAQ is almost down 250. Been that kind of day as we continue our 2022 stock summit. Jim Labenthal, you, my friend, are up now. And your number one pick is what I think is your largest position, if I'm correct. Uh, Cleveland Cliffs. You are. Yeah, Cleveland Cliffs, I know I talk about it a lot. Let me simplify this. It's a math equation. Uh, Raw material goods for steel manufacturing are low. Uh, Revenue prices are high for finished steel products. And volume is growing as automobile production picks up and home demand, which uh, creates demand for home appliances and infrastructure spending continue. So you've got gross margins up. You've got volume increasing. These guys are just going to be minting free cash flow all year long. 
Uh, definitely my number one pick. Uh, you want to do number mm-hmm. two, Scott? Boeing. So yeah. Boeing. Boeing is number yeah. two. You know. And Viacom CBS is number three. I'm kind of surprised at one that's not on this list, but I'll mention it in a minute, what I'm thinking. But you tell me why Boeing is on your list of all the stocks in the universe. Why is this part of our stock summit? Yeah, it's now make or break. The only thing that can hold this stock back is either the global economy craters, which I don't see, or Boeing can't figure out its engineering issues on the 787. If I thought that was a real probability, I wouldn't be in the stock. I think it's an exquisite engineering company that's coming out of a bad mistake with the 737 MAX. The FAA is holding their feet to the fire, but I think they're coming out of it right now, and this should be a great year for them. Uh, Viacom CBS, you know, this this is a stock that just got bare mauled in November and December, pummeled uh, by tax lost harvesting. And that was writ large because of all that Archegos melt-up in the beginning of the year. There were a lot of tax losses to take. Uh, If you look at this company, it's got one quarter the subscribers of Netflix, but only one twelfth the market cap. That's the simple math equation right there. The streaming business is growing terrific. Content is terrific. That's my third pick. So I I see the list, right? And I'm like, okay, uh, there's Cleveland Cliffs, there's Boeing, there's Viacom, CBS. Where's General Motors? Jimmy GM. Number four. Do you not have high hopes (laughs) for that stock? Number this this year? I have very high hopes. I have very high hopes. Thanks for bringing it up, setting an all, a new all-time high today. Uh, that's number four on the list. And I think, you know, it's coming out of a consolidation phase the last two months. They're clearly getting more semiconductors. They're producing more cars. The electric vehicle business is in there growing nicely. And if you look, the last year, Ford has had triple the return of GM. That's mainly because of their Rivian investment, but also because of the electric 150. I think this is a great time that people should be looking to shift from Ford into GM. Nothing negative on Ford, but mm. it's got three more multiple turns than GM. Everything lines up great for GM. It's number four on the list. All right. Well, we'll allow you the, the, the bonus pick. By the way, LeBeau's got Mary Barra tomorrow on a first on CNBC interview. Don't want to miss that. Nice. Power Lunch, 2.15 Eastern time. Very important to hear from Mary Barra as we start a new year. Uh, materials, is your sector play, Jim? You said you really wanted to pick energy. It was your top play, but you wanted to differentiate yourself from the rest of the committee, so you picked materials. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got energy, but materials should perform well for the exact same reason, uh, mainly demand, right? Whether it's infrastructure spending, supply chain onshoring, or just regular capital expenditures as profits are high. You're going to see demand for steel, for copper, for aluminum, for concrete, uh, for chemicals, for, for uh, plastics. And obviously, if my number one pick is Cleveland Cliffs, then uh, materials would make sense as the number one sector. Yeah, a- absolutely. All right, we appreciate it. Josh Brown, what do you make of... Farmer Jim's picks. I'm in the same trade as him on GM. And anytime Jim and I are completely aligned on a name, I feel like people should pay attention because we both look at the market very differently. Uh, So I think he's going to do well there. Out of his top picks, Cleveland Cliffs is the most interesting to me. I feel like it's binary. If, If we get a huge deceleration in global growth because all of a sudden the inventory restocking is over, and demand subsides as all the stimulus goes away. I feel like that's the kind of stock that could get hurt. But if the economy is is sustainably growing and can weather uh, these these rate hikes and this dissipation of stimulus, that stock should be a huge winner. So I'm curious if Jim feels it's as binary as I think. In my view, it like gets cut in half or doubles, 
Am I wrong in, in thinking that way? No, you got it exactly right, Josh. I mean, this is a classic cyclical play. It happens to have great management. Um, You you know, another way to describe what you just said is, do steel prices fall off a cliff? That's what's held the stock back is the belief that you're going to get a growth slowdown and steel prices will fall off a cliff. I just don't see it happening anytime soon. It is binary, and I'm on obviously on one side of that binary call. I think auto demand, infrastructure spending, durable goods are set to really just continue for at least the next year and propel volumes and margins higher. So, uh, yes, binary, but now is the time to be in it. All right, excellent. Farmer Jim, thank you very much for that. We'll continue with the Stock Summit uh, all week long. Another reminder, Jim Cramer will join us tomorrow for the hour. He's going to give his best ideas. He'll tell you what he thinks about the others that he's heard as well. So we're very much looking forward to that. Stephanie Link coming up right after this break. Back to our Stock Summit now with the Linkster. Stephanie Link is up now. Okay, your number one pick is Bank of America, which I find very interesting because it may be your top financial pick for the year, but it's not your largest bank position. No, it's not. Wells Fargo and Morgan Stanley tie for the number one, number two um, as my largest. Uh, They've had nice runs, right? Bank of America has two, um, but they're the most leveraged to interest rates and the steeper yield curve, the most of the big six banks. And we know they have a diversified revenue mix. We know wealth management. uh, We know capital markets, investment banking, M&A. By the way, M&A, $5.8 trillion. That was an all-time record for 2021 in M&A for the industry. $47 billion alone in advice from M&A. So all of these companies are going to have phenomenal uh, M&A in the fourth quarter in uh, earnings reports. Operating leverage, we've talked about this before. They're cutting costs substantially. You're seeing better demand, and they have a very strong capital position, $26 billion in excess capital. They actually have a $25 billion buyback program. They bought $9 billion in the last quarter, trades at 12.8 times earnings, has a 2% yield. Love to, I would love to see that yield higher. I think you will throughout the year. Two other picks are familiar to our viewers for certain. Uh, Wind Resorts and IBM. IBM, your biggest tech position. And you think as, in terms of win, are you looking to the other side of the pandemic for this one? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's down 37 percent from its highs on the Macau concerns about licenses, terms of licenses on supervision, those issues. I think that's all in the stock. You have to re- remember, these guys have size and scale. They have 1,008 rooms in Macau um, and they have 739 a thousand square feet in gaming in Macau. So they have size and scale. They're going to get a license. I don't care if the license term is 10 years or 20 years. Everybody thinks it's 10 years. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller for your sore muscles. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. 
The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Fine with that. Supervision, we already know that's going to take place. In the meantime, Las Vegas, Boston, seeing very good results, and they have a good liquidity position at $3.9 billion. Let me ask you about IBM. Um, how much has to go right for IBM this year for it to have the kind of return that you think it can to be part of something like our stock summit of all the again, I had kind of the same question I asked Jim of all the stocks in the universe that are out there. And there are other value. So so-called value tech names out there. Why this one? Because I like what the management is doing. They just needed some time uh, to figure it all out. And they are. They are in the process of restructuring, of selling non-core assets, spinning off non-core assets, and buying a ton of companies in cloud, in AI, in quantum compute, right? And, and even in blockchain, by the way. Um, and so as they sell these assets and they, and they have this M&A, that's going to lead to better growth. That's going to lead to better margins. And you have a mainframe refresh cycle this year. You have an ELA renewal cycle this year. Again, M&A. And they're doing all these partnerships within cloud with the likes of AWS, with Oracle, with Salesforce. They're doing the right things. They're blocking and tackling now that they've made all these all this M&A. And I think it's going to lead to better growth. And no one likes this stock. No one even knows what they do anymore. Um, and they've got $35 billion in free cash flow. And they've got $4 billion in, in kind of debt capacity. So they got $40 billion to do more M&A and to be buying buying back stock and to increase the in increasing dividends. And the stock trades at 14 times earnings and it gives you a 4.8% dividend yield while you wait. Yeah. Yeah. If it fits why, into that value think, tech why, as your sector pick. Why? Why? The stock looks interesting to me, by the way. Ahead, it looks Josh. like it, it looks like it's the stock looks interesting to me. Technically, it looks like it's snapped that downtrend, um, but it has not yet broken out. I'm curious why we think all well, this M&A is going to be good M&A. If you think about all these assets they're selling off, that's all the result of bad M&A. Is it different people making the decisions or are they making decisions in a different way than they had historically? Because this company's track record at acquiring technologies, frankly, has not led to growth in 12 years. Right. So it is a new management team. About 18 months ago, they have a new CEO and he came from IBM, but he was the cloud guy. Right. And he was very responsible for buying Red Hat for thirty four billion dollars, which I think was a brilliant move. And so he's been behind this whole cloud strategy, getting away from the Kindles of the world. Right. The Kindles of the world, rather. Um, and uh, and so I think. That is important, that they're shedding non-core assets. And yeah, you're right. Prior management was not good at M&A. But this, this new management team, I think they're doing the right things to put them in the right place in the next several years. It's going to take time. We know that. But I do think that this is a very sleepy name. Not a lot of people are own it. And as I said, not a lot of people even know what they do or the strategy is anymore. So I think mm -hmm. when you have cash flow that's coming in the door like that, 35 bill and, and 40 bill t in total, that's a nice that's a nice tailwind for them to go and find good assets and not paying above trend. Bryn, let me get a comment from you on the sector pick from Steph, if I could, value technology, IBM obviously playing a role in, in the reasoning for that. Well, I think Stephanie's really thoughtful and really, you know, very good at finding companies that have been beaten up and unloved. And I think names like, to me, names like IBM and Intel, to me, they seem frozen in time, but I'm not analyzing them like Stephanie is. And that's what's so great about her strategy. She's digging in deep, going through there. And so 
I think these companies like an IBM could easily be a sleeper, a sleeper outperformer in 2022, because as people are, let's say, moving out of high growth tech, which is, you know, being decimated, but want to stay somewhat in that technology, you could see assets flow into that area this this year. And it also has a nice dividend as well. So um, I feel like they're frozen in time, but I'm not following it nearly as well as she is. And so I'm going to I'm going to give it a thumbs up. But I think it could be a sleeper outperformer. All right. Good stuff uh, today, guys. I mentioned it's going to continue for the rest of the week as well. You'll hear from all of the committee members with their new picks for 2022 as part of our stock summit. The great Jim Cramer joins us tomorrow as well, which will be super fun to do. You'll get his picks and his critiques as well. When we come back after this quick break, we'll do final trades next. All right. Welcome back. We're going to get to our final trades in just a moment. But Stephanie Link, first, I left a couple of trades of yours on the table uh, that I wanted to get to. You trimmed Zoetis and I'm assuming that you took the profits from Zoetis and you bought more J&J. Am I right? Yeah, it's like buy low, sell high. Zoetis was up 46 percent last year, 48 times earnings. Still love it. Still overweight it. Just wanted to pair it back. Put it in a J&J, only up 12 percent in the past year. They have a world class pharmaceutical business growing above market trend. I like the fact that they're spinning off that consumer business. So I like that story better at this point, especially at 18 times forward estimates. All right. Well, good stuff. We'll keep our eye on all that. Uh, so you've been you've been really busy uh, beyond just the stock summit with a number yeah. of moves that we highlighted throughout the day. Do you want to give me a final trade while I have you? I do. I agree with the upgrade today of GE. It's down 14 percent since the separation news on November uh, uh, 9th. And I like the restructuring. It's going very well. Uh, the fact that they're going to split up into three separate companies, that's value added. Um, and I think you're seeing a recovery in the aviation business. And that's a nice tailwind for them and free cash flow. So I like this for tw- I like this one also for 2022. That'll be that'll be one to watch. Bryn, quickly with a final trade, please. Yeah, Freeport. Uh, Copper is probably the most important component in the electrification of the global grid. Josh, I'm assuming Berkshire B is yours quickly. Yep, the breakout is real. This is confirmation today. And Marathon Petroleum, Farmer Jim, up three and a quarter today. You got it. That's all you got? <laughs> I mean, I, I said, <laughs> I we're out of time. I said quickly. <laughs> I, we are. I we are. Time, brother. That does it for us. The, the, the exchange starts right now. You've been listening to CNBC's Halftime Report, the podcast. You can always catch us live weekdays at 12 Eastern, only on CNBC. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.